The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net and call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 Seven four two zero. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Hello, Scott. Don. And, and you know it's getting nice outside. You know we're we're slowly seeing temperatures warm up, but that's also a sign that uh, the tax deadline is creeping up on us too, and we got to get that thing done. It is. It is, and it's April thirtieth. And normally we'd say, okay, we got to get it in before midnight tonight, but it is a Saturday, mm-hmm. so you don't have to do it for today. You have until May the second this year. Right. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long ago at the beginning of the pandemic, they actually moved it. I believe it was June the 1st mm-hmm. um, because of the pandemic. Hit and they had to figure out how to get the taxes in and accountants and even touching paper back then. So it's amazing what two years will make. And here we are now. But it is uh, it is delayed. It always is if it happens to fall on a weekend and it's May 2nd. So for those procrastinators, it um, it's it's perfect. You can. Uh, you can put it off for another two days if you like. So, so that's a, but again, tax planning. That's a, that's a good way to enjoy your weekend, isn't it? There Spreading the tax, procrastinate with your taxes. <laughs> but uh, tax planning is, as we've talked about many times, an integral part of a, a financial plan. But there's a lot of other parts of a financial plan or planner, which Gary's going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, uh, hopefully most of our listeners uh, have not left their, their tax process uh, tax preparation process to uh, to this weekend, but uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought I wanted to talk today about uh, some of the things that that we might want to be thinking about in terms of of selecting or thinking about selecting a financial advisor. So this could be for anyone who's never worked with a financial advisor or uh, or people who are thinking about even making a possible change. So these are some basic things that 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 we run into on a regular basis that I I thought were uh, were well worth the time to chat about. Um, you, you know, with a certified uh, if if people have worked with a certified financial advisor before, um, then they they have a little better sense perhaps of uh, some of the things that that should be done. But the the process of uh, of of hunting or looking for one can be kind of daunting. Uh, oftentimes people will get a referral from uh, someone that they, they know. And, uh, and that may be the, the beginning of the, you know, of the, of the process in terms of, of examining whether they think that uh, that's going to be a fit, but in no particular order, let's examine a few of the, uh, the more significant things that, that I think it's uh, very important to look for. So if we, if we start with a category of fit, which is obviously important in everything that we do, Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that we can, you know, we can feel and, and find a fit, you know, ask about how the, the advisor sees the client advisor partnership working. So what's, you know, what's their vision in terms of, of uh, beginning and, uh, and, and working with a, a new client on an ongoing basis and, and make sure that, uh, that you share the, your expectations about, you know, when, where, and how uh, meetings you see meetings taking place. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to line up necessarily with what, what the advisor practices on a normal basis, but I think it's important to share what, you know, what your expectations are in that regard. Um, you know, asking about whether phone and virtual meetings will be offered to supplement in-person meetings. Um, 
and you're, you know, I think people are going to find generally that that there's quite an array of uh, of situations that that vary considerably. Uh, also, asking naturally about the frequency of those reviews. So again, what what might I expect in that regard? And and not just full reviews, but but updates along the way. I think inquiring about the advisor's approach in terms of uh, educating versus, uh, for example, directing. You know, the, people may find that there are advisors that that are in a telling mode, uh, rather than than really uh, understanding and informing people of of the things that that are relevant to their situation and things that that they might be thinking about. I guess it's a fine line, Gary, between advising and say parenting. Right. Absolutely. And, and haven't we all learned that over, or, or at least, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we've perfected it, but we've, uh, we've learned that there's a difference for sure. Um, so, you know, in terms of fit, uh, having a discussion about what services uh, you're actually looking for. Uh, because again, advisors are, are quite varied in terms of the range of things that they offer and the range of things that, that they provide. And if, you're, if your current situa- uh, situation is, uh, is relatively straightforward, um, that should be that should be laid out, and also if your circumstances are more complex, you want to make sure that that person, that individual, or that team has uh, has the resources to uh, you know to to provide value to you. You know, comprehensive management. Uh, you know, really in today's world, it it does require a team approach. It requires a team approach with uh, with the support of of specialists in different different disciplines and different areas. Uh, things are far more complicated, I would say today, uh, in, in today's world, uh, than than they once were, uh, as far as the investment world goes. Because investments are, as we've talked many times on the show, investments are just part of the equation. Uh, you know, Don was talking about tax, the importance of tax planning. Well, you know, we've we've outlined a number of different disciplines that that we get involved with, and every advisor should be doing that. And Gary, you made a very good point, though, because you look at taxes as part of it, but there's a lot of situations that are way too, way over the top complex. And we have specialists at head office that are tax, um, sometimes tax accounts, tax lawyers that get into the real nitty gritty and some of these are more complicated. And and when, when you get through all this, it's great to have that resource in our back pocket and clients and they'll really appreciate that because we've come over you know some wills second marriages what, what if they have a corporation so many different ways to cut this and so there's the estate planning and the tax planning that goes and perhaps insurance planning and all these pieces create a, a pretty complex puzzle and uh you know you, like i said we, I, we've just come out of a pandemic a lot of people were doing puzzles during this pandemic and some were harder than others well i can tell you some of these situations it's like all the pieces are really really small we're trying to find the right piece so how do they all fit where other situations are a little bit more standard i know yeah. like wordle uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always a there's always a mix right and we've also talked before about you know the the duties and responsibility of a certified financial planner and that's a that's one thing i would put near the top of the list in terms of making sure that the person or the the individual that you uh or individuals that you might be seeking out uh talking to in terms of the possibility of working with them or uh, as their as your advisor uh, make sure they have their cfp because not only does that bring with it a a, a solid uh, knowledge base that has been acquired over time, but also the the responsibilities, the accountability, the the continuing education requirements, 
all those things that are, are, are bound to holding a, a certified financial planning designation. So I think, and, and the, the various things that you just talked about, Don, in terms of the different areas that we get into, all of those things are required areas for us to have uh, expertise in so that we can counsel people in those areas and not just about investment planning. So many mm -hmm. people think that, that financial planning is just about investment planning because that's been their own experience. Over time. In fact, some of the commercials actually say that, which is kind of interesting. They say, oh, yes, we'll, we'll talk about your financial plan in the next breath. They talk about the investments. Right. So it, it, they're actually coaching the, you know, the general public that financial planning is investments, which right. is far from the truth in our world. Absolutely. No, there's no question. And, you know, and of course, experience is always a factor. Uh, a tenured advisor with a, with a growing practice obviously uh, has seen uh, most types of client scenarios because of that experience. They've dealt with different things along the way and can draw on that experience. So uh, I, think, I think that's an important consideration, not to take away from someone who perhaps is, is newer in the business as long as they have, as long as they have the support, they have the, the, the team approach, they have the resources to draw on. But certainly the, the experience factor is considerable because we can, we can endlessly, which we won't, we won't do, but we can endlessly talk about different situations that we've seen, some of them pretty obscure. So uh, I think, I think that's, uh, that's important. I think too- and Quite often this helps protect people from yes. mistakes because so, we've seen mistakes in the past. So we, so we, we protect the, the next person so they don't make that mistake. And we can say without naming anybody, of course, this is a situation I've come across and this is what happened. But had we had done it things- if they sought counsel before, we could have averted this issue by doing this. And this is what you're going back to having experience. You don't, you don't read this in the book. You know, this is not yeah. part of any, any kind of trade magazine. These are situations that we just come, come across. Yeah, no, no, of course. And, uh, you know, also uh, the investment philosophy that, that, a, that a particular advisor has, I think that's a, that often goes unlooked or, or not questioned or, or discussed when people are looking at an advisor. But a lot of advisors have their, have their own beliefs about structuring. If we're, if we're looking just at the investment side of things for a moment, which again is not sufficient, but if that's what we're looking at, uh, have certain biases and certain preferences and certain beliefs about investing that may be their own personal beliefs, but our own personal beliefs about various things are not at all necessarily linked to what people or what's in people's best interest or clients' best interest, right? So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's, uh, that's important to understand what, what a person's, uh, an advisor's philosophy really is. Um, you know, do they, do they take a one-size-fits-all approach to their planning? to the work that they're doing with clients. You know, that's obviously a significant danger. We talk about personalization and customization of advice and plans and so on. So that's, that's critical. Um, you know, the, the next question I think is sometimes difficult to ask, but I think it's important to inquire about how an advisor is compensated on the services that they provide. Is it fee for service? You know, is it, is it a percentage of managed assets? Is it a flat fee? Is it, is it you know, kind of old school transaction based? Uh, you know, those things are important. A lot of people are uh, people who are not shy, but a lot of people <laughs> are shy about asking about that. And I think I think that's a that's a very fair question. And every single advisor should feel comfortable and open and transparent about about that very issue. You know, and as with uh, as with life, communication is the key 
to uh, any successful relationship. So you you have to feel that as you're as you're meeting with the person, you have to feel that they that they care, that they're interested in helping you, and that uh, and that they're listening because uh, you know that ability to listen and then use that information productively on your behalf is is critical. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Talking about financial literacy here, Don, and alone how uh, that's just not enough. Yes. And uh, interesting enough, uh, April was F- Financial Literacy Month in the U.S. I'm assuming Canada, too. I actually never checked that, but it's uh, um, I don't know if anybody noticed that along the way. Probably not. But basically, it, it's important. And the reason they have this month is just to say, OK, financial literacy is a very important for Canadians, Americans, everybody for that matter, because so many mistakes are made or could and then there's scams and then there's other things that go about and making sure that you're using your funds the the money that you make to your best ability to provide for your future and financial literacy is is to kind of remind people of that and it talks about the main you know basic the basics budgeting uh it's almost like one of those bad words today but there's so many ways to budget and at the end of the day whatever way works for you is a good way uh, it, there's no right way to budget, but certainly putting down your incomes and going through your expenses, whether you use an app, a program, do it by paper, a spreadsheet, just look at it once a year, whatever works, works. Uh, saving money, uh, debt management, just knowing how compound interest even works. Uh, as of, we've talked about before, Einstein says compound interest was man's greatest invention. <laughs> okay. And also, it also means that on the debt side, it means that it also can go against you, compound interest. So you got to be on the right side of compound interest and investing. So those are kind of the basics. But in the U.S., and I'm not sure where we stand as Canadians. I would hope we're a little bit better. But in the U.S., 57% are deemed financially literate. And that means 43% are not financially literate. That is a large number. And it's... You know, stuff that we take for granted just isn't happening for a lot of people. In, in, in the U.S., is 43%, even if we're up by 10%, and we're 33%, one-third are not financially literate. That's still a huge number. And so, you know, everybody is in a different phase. And as, as Gary said, we have to personalize things. And we've been, you know, 37 years in this business, in my case. And Gary, you've been uh, how many years now? Knocking on the door of 30, just, just about there, yeah. <laughs> Almost there yourself. So we've gone through clients that have gone through all these phases. So you have a, a build and grow phase where basically just start saving as much money as you can. You need to try to get the best return. You have to have insurance to protect, you know, if, uh, if something were to happen to yourself, disability or a death, make sure it doesn't put the family at jeopardy. So the build and grow phase is, is, is phase one. 
phase two is that transition phase where it's trying to get a real good idea about your under your situation and starting to look at, okay, what's my retirement going to look like? Um, what's my budget? I know my budget now perhaps, but how is that going to change at retirement? Maybe I can actually spend more money in retirement. Maybe I'm going to, uh, you know, as all the commercials show people traveling in the, around the world or what have you, certainly pre-pandemic, but we're starting to see that a lot now. I just heard this week that flights have tripled for Air Canada in the past little while. Um, so you're starting to see a lot of people at the airports again. So again, what costs, what, what, how much is that going to cost you in retirement? In your investment risk, what used to be okay in your 20s and 30s, uh, maybe you want to tailor back your risk. And as Gary mentioned, risk is very interesting. What we look at as a moderate portfolio um, and what, say, a, a broker often looks as a moderate portfolio, they are miles apart. So ours, our idea is how much would you like in cash um, and how in fixed income and how much would you like in equities? Quite frankly, I've seen a lot of portfolios and they've called them moderate, where it's 100% in equities. And I don't quite get that. But again, it's understanding the risk. So risk is volatility and how much can things go down? So right now, uh, you know, this year to date, things have been negative. And what has been hurt the most have been particularly tech stocks. So you may be down 10% or more in your portfolio this year because of that area. And I know there's a lot of people that were transitioning their portfolio to grab onto that tech area in the last couple of years. That's not a financial plan. That's, that's a knee-jerk reaction to what the market's doing. Don, I think no another example, sorry, I think another mm -hmm. example of that, which a lot of people are not aware of, it's just not on their radar unless their advisor has covered this off with them, is, is the, the inverse relationship with interest rates, right? And, and silently, people's portfolios have been dropping a little bit because of the rising interest rates. And, and people, a lot of people are just assuming that that's because of the markets. But that's, that, that speaks to financial literacy, too, in terms of understanding that, that concept. 100%. 100%. So that's transition period is number two. And then finally, the third part is distribute and deploy. And that's where, okay, we've got our, our nest egg now. How are we going to distribute this? Is it a monthly basis? What's the tax ramifications? Perhaps there's charities you want to start to think about. And perhaps even estate planning starts to creep in. So depending on your phase, and I know... Since we've been in this business, Gary, we've gone through all segments for our clients. In fact, clients that started with us 30 years ago have gone from the build and grow to the transition, and we are now distributing their funds. And so we've started right at the beginning, and now we're seeing the other. So that's, that's how financial planning works. But financial literacy is costing people so much money. They, they actually took a 300, just over 3,400 respondents in 2021 and asked them, how much in the past year do you think you've lost due to a lack of, lack of knowledge about your personal finances? That was a question. And they asked everybody from different age groups. And the average number was about $1,400. Okay. Well, when you multiply that by 254 million adults, it worked to a cost of $352 billion of mistakes that could have been avoided because of lack of knowledge and so those were the mistakes that they self-identified <laughs> exactly uh, good right? point. The, only yeah very good point there's a lot of you know you don't know what you don't know sometimes so you didn't even know that was a mistake until later so financial literacy is costing a ton of money but it's only one piece of the puzzle 
the part, you know, financial planning, as Gary alluded to, is part psychology when we're talking to clients. It's part life and going over their life and understanding what makes them tick and what are they trying to accomplish? You know, kids, pets, parents, somebody's disabled, what have you. It's all part of their plan and part money. So it's all three parts. And what they found is financial literacy is probably the wrong starting point. It's not the fact that they don't understand finances. It's education right at the start. You know, facts and figures, it's, it's okay to, under, to say, okay, I understand RSPs. And I understand savings and compounding a little bit. But facts and figures are part of it. But they, don't, they totally ignore feelings and emotions, which are the biggest driver of financial behavior. You know, you think about it. You may have gone into a, a car lot, as an example. And you say, I got this budget. I'm not going to spend over $30,000 on the next car. And you walk out with a $40,000 vehicle. Okay. So that's just one example or a kitchen renovation or whatever. I've got this budget. It's going to be this. It's all we can afford. Or the next house I buy can't be more than $800,000. You walk away with a million dollar home. So all these things are, are, hurt, are the biggest driver of financial behavior. And so that hurts on one side. The other side is just the mindset about money and math. So, you know, I, I look at, I quite often when we go over what's called a personal financial review and look at the balance sheet, we say, okay, how much you have in your bank account? Well, it's interesting. It can range from, I, I don't feel comfortable if I don't have $100,000 in my account. That's my zero kind of. If, there, if it drops under $100,000, I don't sleep at night. Other people say, well, $10,000 is what I feel comfortable with. It covers bills for a few, you know, a couple of months. And that's and others, a value. That's a value issue greatly too, isn't it? Just the value yeah. about money. Just money. Comfort you, level. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a comfort thing. It, it, there's no, nothing in the book or math about this. This is just a feeling. And another person says, you know what? As long as I don't owe more than $10,000 on my bank draft, I'm great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I literally have gone over all three of these. And I, and I can tell you right now, all three were accountants. <laughs> okay. So personality. It was their personality about this. They understand compound. They are totally financially literate, but they have, it's their feelings about money and often driven by their parents or habits, bad habits. And they haven't, and they've crept into their own behavior without really sometimes even knowing. So when I bring it to their attention, okay, a hundred thousand dollars is not a good you know how much it's costing you to leave $100,000 without earning any, any return? We can do something with that. And at least it's always available with a low risk, but earn a bit of higher return. The opposite end is, okay, do you know how much it's costing for that overdraft protection every month? The bank's favorite kind of client. Oh, they, they're doing great. So probably the middle um, is, is the best spot to be. But it's, again, about feeling. So we're addressing, it's not, when we sit down with clients, we actually talk to them, okay, why would you have this much? Or why do you feel comfortable with a negative balance? And we start chatting about it. And then it's like, okay, I know this makes no sense. You're right, it doesn't. So what do you want to do about it? And then we talk about alternatives. And then it's a change of mindset. And that's where we, a financial planner will come into it and change the behavior. Um, and again, this is no different than in many things. Uh, Tony Robbins has a very good quote. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power. Action is power. And I love that quote because 
we've seen people with all the knowledge and they're no different than the one that doesn't have the knowledge. Okay, so if you're ignorant about all these finances and versus somebody that knows everything, but they don't do anything about it, they're in the same boat. You know, Don, how important is it to, because we're sitting here talking about this as a, you know, a bunch of middle-aged men, but how important <laughs> is this to start early? I mean, I got teenage kids. We're having these discussions now. It's really important to get into this mindset of financial literacy at a young age. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Scott. It's not necessarily just starting early and action plan is, is definitely part of it. It's the conversations around the table. Mm -hmm. It's when it's your grandparents are probably part of the reason you look at money the way you do now, unless there was an intervention with a financial planner. Yeah, good because, point. You know, because yeah, they talked yeah. to, sorry, they talked to, to the parents who then brought it down to you. So it's a trickle down effect on, on, on your behavior and your idea yeah. on money. And Don, you talked before, you used the phrase, you know, when we don't know what we don't know. Well, that's that's why a good financial planner will point out to people things that they should be thinking about, things that they should be understanding that aren't even on their radar. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is where we'll say, okay, and there's this void and says, did you realize that what you're doing is causing this? She says, I had no idea. And right. so we'll bring this or there's an opportunity that they're, they've missed. This is, I had no idea. So these are, again, this is all part of a financial plan and a, and a CFP, as you mentioned, Gary, can bring these up because quite frankly, a lot of people will go to, you know, some bank and say, here's my, here's my situation. And they're just going to say, well, we could diversify your money better by doing this. That's their plan. And I think that's just a very small part of it. And so, you know, life, financial life is, is so much better. It's so important. So, you look at it and you say, we have to understand the beliefs and attitudes and the cultural differences people have. So we have a discussion about money and why is money important to you? And we have this in our discovery meeting, our very first meeting with people. And, you know, knowledge of the various topics is important, but again, without action, it doesn't do anything. So there's, there's access to knowledge and that's important. So people say, okay, this is how you find more about it. Listen to this show. You know, we have people listening to this show every week and how many listeners right now are saying, okay, yeah, we've, we've listened to your show for two or three years. It's been great, but have I implemented anything? And that's the key. And, you know, it, it, I always find it ironic. So when you see a, a doctor telling somebody that they are overweight or, or they shouldn't smoke yet, you see the doctor who's overweight is a smoker. Okay. <laughs> There's a perfect example of somebody that has all the knowledge and they're disputing advice, and, but they're not doing it themselves because whatever the reason. And financial planning is the same idea. My dad used to say, do as I say, not as I do. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so ongoing financial planning is really to adapt and, and it changes all the time. Like we've talked about, okay, the tax deadlines change. That's a minor thing. Um, tax brackets change. You've made more money. How will that affect your plan? Um, should, obviously, you should be investing more. Uh, you should be saving more for retirement. Maybe you've had kids. Have you looked at, does that include more insurance in your life? Or should you get an, a registered education savings plan now? So there's so many different things that come into play on an ongoing basis. And for anybody to say, here's your financial plan, hope it works out. That, is not, <laughs> that doesn't work. It's dynamic. Life is dynamic. Change happens all the time. 
it could be good or bad. It could be a windfall, um, an inheritance or, or, or something like that. Or it could be, oh boy, my kids moved back home and my expenses has gone up or I have to help out my, my kids with uh, you know, a down payment on a house, whatever the case is and how does that affect the plan? So financial planning, you know, financial literacy is a great starting point as far as yes, it's good to have the knowledge. But really what Gary and I and our whole team do, it's, it's then taking that knowledge, hopefully increasing it when we see clients so they feel a better understanding, a peace of mind, knowing that they're doing the right things and, and they're very confident moving forward that they have a plan that will address their specific goals. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management for yourself at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more about them at donfox.net and call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right. Uh, we were talking about uh, financial advisors and how to pick them. How do you assess what is good, what is bad, where what yours is? Yeah, I think that well, there's a there's a number of things, of course, and it depends from from individual to individual as far as what you know what priorities they establish. But I think there's a lot of basic ones. So uh, I've got a list of 14 quick points here, and those that are so inclined, if uh, if you want to just pick up a pencil or pen, and uh, on a scale of one to ten. Just a, a quick reflection on, on each of these, I think would be very helpful. You know, change can be perceived as, uh, as more difficult uh, for, in a lot of ways, but the potential benefits of at least exploring other options, if you're not feeling that things are quite the way that you want them to be, then it's important to, to at least consider making some changes. So on a scale of one to five, basically, just measure your own experience based on, the, on these criteria. Uh, So number one, do you feel that the level of service is what was promised to you? Number two, how satisfied are you overall with the value that you receive? So scale of one to five. And Don was talking about feelings, like how we feel about, about the advice, the service, the value that we're getting. So this is a reflection of that. Number three, does your advisor ask you the right questions to better understand your financial needs. Number four, are the benefits and suitability of the products slash investments potentially that have, that have been and are being recommended, are they, are they being clearly explained to you? So when you're, when you're being given options, are, they, are the options clearly explained to you? Do you feel that your advisor genuinely cares about your well-being and needs? You know, and that that just that just really speaks to, you know, do you have that feeling that that the advisor gives a damn about how well you do? <laughs> and Scott, how how you how's your score coming along so far? <laughs> <laughs> I'll report at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a check at the end. Um, number six, are you receiving tailored solutions that meet your current needs at the stage of life that you're currently at now? 
tailored, customized, personalized. Number seven, does it feel like your advisor is comfortable to do business with? Is comfortable? Do you have a comfort level meeting with them, talking with them, and so on? Number eight, is your financial well-being measurable and continuing to improve? It's not just a feeling. It's also based on, on actual results as well. Number nine, has your investment performance overall met your ongoing expectations and consistent with the investment risk profile that's been set up? 10, does your advisor provide you with a personalized financial plan and continually update it as things change over time? Number 11, has the fee structure been clearly explained to you, including the costs associated with recommended investments? So do you feel that you receive good value for the fees that you're paying? Number 12, does your advisor keep in touch and contacts you in the right amount, uh, the, the right amount versus too much or perhaps not enough? And number 13, how satisfied have you been with the way any potential problems or concerns or misunderstandings over time have been handled in the past? Have, have things been proactively reconciled and addressed to your, to your satisfaction when there's been any, um, you know, as I said, misunderstandings or, or, or challenges? And number 14, you know, this is an open-ended question. What could your existing advisor do to bring more value, value to you as a client. You know, I often ask clients when I, or potential clients when I'm meeting with them for the first time, tell me about, you know, if you've been working with an advisor, tell me about the things that you feel have been beneficial. And a lot of times there's a, there's a real lag in the conversation. And, and then I'll follow up with, you know, what are some of the things that you would like to have seen done differently or you would like to see done differently going forward? So those are just some some very basic things that I think I think everyone can uh, and should perhaps take some time and really self-assess their own circumstances, their own relationship. And uh, you know, Don, of course, we have uh, we have a built-in mechanism, you know, within our company where our clients receive surveys, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're asked about the the level of service that they're getting both from our team uh, as well as you know on a more broad-based. Uh, from the company overall. Yeah. And there's no perfect scenario. You know, we do our best. Everybody's not going to score a hundred on these questions, but you know, the aim is to get, trying to meet their expectations and you know, what is good for one client say, okay, I'm meeting once a year is plenty. Another one says, I need to at least talk to you twice a year. And so everybody's is a little different, but it's in during a discovery meeting, all these come out of what the expectations are and whether it's a good fit on either end. So it's yeah. extremely important. So yeah, having a second opinion to go over something as important as money is, is extremely important. Yeah. And I Gary, would say quickly too, that 56, if you scored 56 on that or over, then you're probably in good hands. Mm-hmm. If not, it might be worth a second look. Gary, can I make an appointment with you this afternoon? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, let's, let's wait till Dawn's out of the office. <laughs> I just want to say that with you guys for a hundred years, a couple of kids and all that stuff and uh, top drawer, I would highly recommend. All right. Uh, Going to take another quick break here. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here and our last segment is coming up. 
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox, and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Now, uh, tax time coming. We know that the deadline is here. Uh, but when you get that, ra- uh, that tax refund back, what should you do with it, Don? Uh, can you just run out and buy the big screen and go nuts? That's that's uh, one of the options, but I'll get to that right at the end here, Scott. You know what? Um, there's some of the people that are procrastinating and say, oh boy, this is the last week and get those taxes done. But a majority of people are saying, I had to get my taxes done early because I had a refund coming. And, you know, good for them. The average amount of a refund is approximately $3,000. Okay, so that's a sizable amount of money. That could, that's a, a difference maker on an annual basis. So the very first thing that I would look at and, I, and Gary would look at is if you've got high interest debt, put it against that. If you've got a credit card bill and it's, and it's kind of gone on and you're paying 20% interest, no financial planner can get you a guaranteed 20% return on your money. Pay off the credit cards. And again, if you have just bills in general, that you feel that, you know, you want to get things cleaned up, great thing. Now, some people took out an RSP loan to get the RSP, um, and that's why they got this refund. Well, that refund should, as the plan went earlier, that's supposed to go against the loan when you get that money. Don't think it's for that big screen yet there, Scott. Okay. So, um, and then help cash flow. Uh, you know, you might want to look at paying off a loan, and so therefore you'll have better cash flow every month so that you can use that extra cash flow for investments or to make other loan payments. So it's, it could be part of an overall plan to have this refund. Unfortunately, I would suggest a lot of people say, woohoo, I have $3,000 and now I want to do something with it. And it's usually not pragmatic. It's something more um, like, a, like a big screen, as you mentioned. Now, secondly, build up an emergency fund. It's nice to have a few months expenses kicking around so that you're not feeling like your back's against the wall. It's something to be said about having some money. And psychologically, people that have some money just feel comfortable. They actually do a little bit better. There's studies have shown that when they have a job interview, they don't feel that they have to take that job because they need to make a payment next month. If you had a few dollars in the bank account, it makes a difference. So the downside of having money in the bank account is some people, as we talked about earlier, will just say, okay, well, I got some money, I better spend it. And it burns a hole in their pocket. So again, this is all about, you know, speak to your financial planner about that. Add more to your RSP. Um, depending on your tax bracket, what a great way to compound your RSP contributions. So let's say you made $10,000 into your RSP, you get $4,000 back, you're adding monthly, you're adding about $800 a month to your RSP. Now you got this refund, throw that into the RSP too, and you'll even get a bigger refund next year. So just by doing an RSP for at $3,000 a year, if you take that, just a tax refund, that adds up to over $200,000 in 25 years at 7%. And if you happen to do 9%, it's over $300,000. You know, that's what a refund can do. It literally can be life-changing. Now, RESPs, Registered Education Savings Plans, um, are actually part of a plan for most of my, a lot of my accumulation clients. And what they've done is they've put money into an RSP 
So they have their long-term portion looked after. So that's the retirement. They're getting a $4,000 refund and they've got say two kids and they're going to take the $4,000 and put two, one, 2000 to each child for their RESPs. And so now you're knocking off two goals at once. You've looked after your retirement. In fact, 18 years at 10,000 a year at 7% would have 365,000. That's a good way to start for a retirement plan. But the RESPs, you end up with about uh, $71,000 each for each child just by taking the refund. And now you're also double dipping because you put that $4,000 into the RESP and you get a 20% grant. So not only did you save 40% on the RSP, you get this 20% on the grant, you're getting the maximum benefit. And that can make a huge difference. Now, if that's all looked after, then the tax-free savings accounts would be the next thing. And it might be RSPs, might be TFSAs, depending on your tax situation. The maximum now, uh, you know, going back to 2009 when TFSA started, is 81,500. So if you were over 18 years old back in 2009, and you've never made a tax-free savings account contribution, you now would have 81,500 of TFSA room, tax-free savings account room. Now, this year's limit, if you've topped up every year, is $6,000. Now, one last thing is like, okay, I got this refund. Ah, maybe I'll throw it, I'll give it to my favorite charity. And there's always great causes out there. And how charity don't, charitable donations work is the first 20, uh, $200 you donate, you get about a 20% tax benefit. Then anything over that in Ontario, it's about a 40%. So there's a great donation calculator on our McKinsey website that and it goes province by province. So it's quite useful. But let's say again, if you took the 10,000 and put that into an RSP, you take your $4,000 refund and you say, you know what, I'm going to take $1,000. I'm going to use that for a, a trip. I'm going to put the other 3,000 into a donation. That's going to give you another $1,200 in tax savings. Well, add that to the 1,000. Now you got $2,200 for your trip. And so you've kind of check, check, check. I've got some money for retirement. I got some money for my charity and we're going to have some fun. And that's what financial planning is about is trying to optimize what we can do with all the money coming in. And every see- one of those examples, sorry, Scott, but every one of those examples are examples of increasing your net worth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know what else you successfully did is you put fun and financial planning in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you guys are good at what you do. Uh, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Don Fox and Gary Hogan here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Another award-winning show, gentlemen. Thanks so much for the time and have a great weekend. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.